Would you like predictable monthly income with annual returns up to 15% or more? Norada Capital Management offers you the opportunity to invest in promissory notes with fixed rates of return and monthly direct deposits. We provide investors with an effortless way to diversify beyond other investment options like stocks and bonds and even real estate. Our promissory notes have a high rate of return and are 100% passive. Interest is paid monthly, directly into your account, delivering truly effortless income. Many other passive investments offer rates of return in the 4-6% to range. Our promissory notes have delivered fixed rates of return in the double digits since conception. All notes are in good standing and Norada has a no-default history and reputation. And retirement accounts such as self-directed IRAs and Roth IRAs also qualify for this investment. So if you're looking for an effortless investment with predictable monthly income and double-digit returns, then visit our website at noradacapital.com. Learn more at noradacapital.com today. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. Real estate becomes an asset when it brings you cash flow. And as a real estate investor, you'll be putting other people's money to work for you, like your lenders and your tenants. When we talk about loopholes of real estate, we're talking about the financial, tax, and legal advantages of investing in real estate as a passive income earner, which of course has been successfully utilized by many investors to protect and maximize their real estate investments. When you learn about the ins and outs of real estate investing, you're going to quickly learn that as long as your property is cash flow positive, you can certainly ride out any downturn that may occur in the real estate market. Recessions don't matter when your property is in a good market, a good location, and cash flow positive. Now, the great news is that you don't need a lot of cash reserves to get started or started small. And risks, they can be efficiently managed and effectively eliminated but certainly managed through insurance, legal structures, and other common strategies that are really not difficult, nor are they expensive. So this is something that you should not overlook. So loopholes provide for the defense of your valuable real estate. So from a tax perspective, there are real estate loopholes to be opened, and smart investors know how to open those loopholes to their maximum advantage. From the legal side, there are real estate loopholes that need to be closed. And when you learn when to open loopholes and when to close them, you become a successful and maybe even a sophisticated real estate investor. Speaking of closing legal loopholes, no one anticipates litigation, just as no one anticipates a car accident. But these things happen and they're part of life. So asset protection is both necessary and it's affordable. Corporate Direct has protected thousands of clients over 30 years. And Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and author Garrett Sutton, who has written the bestseller Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. Asset protection is about closing those legal loopholes because those lead to unlimited personal liability. And you don't want to have that personal liability because if or maybe even when a lawsuit happens, you want to make sure that you have your formalities in place and your legal structures in place to protect you, to protect your assets and protect your wealth. So Visit CorporateDirect.com for more information or call Corporate Direct at 800-600-1760 and get a free 15-minute consultation with one of their incorporating specialists. And if you mention this show, Passive Real Estate Investing, 
you can receive $100 off every LLC or corporation you form. So again, visit CorporateDirect.com for more information or call them at 800-600-1760. It's my pleasure to welcome Garrett Sutton to the show. Now, you may know Garrett as the best-selling author and one of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Advisors. Garrett has been practicing corporate law for more than 35 years, and he has assisted real estate investors and entrepreneurs in protecting their assets and maximizing their financial goals through his two companies, Corporate Direct and Sutton Law Center. Garrett received a business degree from the University of California, Berkeley, and earned his law degree at Hastings College of Law in San Francisco. Garrett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Marco. Pleasure to be with you. It's great having you on. I've been I've known of you for many, many, many years because of obviously Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad books, and I've been meaning to reach out to you, and I've had the fortune to bump into you not too long ago at Freedom Fest, and had some conversations with you, got to know you a little bit better, and you're actually a better guy in person than I thought you would be, so. (laughs) (laughs) Never know with a lawyer. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that we got the opportunity to cross paths because I've been thinking about getting you on the show here for a while. So this is a good thing. Let's just kind of start off with you. Beyond your short bio that I just gave, can you tell us a little more about yourself? Sure. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and and went to Cal and then Hastings, which is the University of California's law school in San Francisco. And I'd always spent my summers up at Lake Tahoe in the Sierra and decided to move up here. Nevada is a great state to set up corporations and LLCs, so it was a good move for that reason. I got married up here. I have three kids. I really enjoy living in Reno, Nevada, and the skiing has been good, so I enjoy skiing. And then, as you mentioned, Marco, I've been associated with Robert Kiyosaki and had good fortune to travel with him around the world talking about financial education. At the end of this week, I'm headed to Australia with Robert. We're going to be in three cities in Australia. So it's just been really rewarding to be able to talk about these topics to people not only in the United States, but around the world. So it's been a great experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. You and I have a common denominator in the sense that we believe in financial education and we freely give that information and education away to people to help them better understand what they need to do and what they should be aware of and how to take the proper action so they can be more successful in real estate entrepreneurship and in life. So I'm I'm Well, they don't teach it in school. I really wish they did. You really have to get the information on your own. And Marco, for you to provide all this information to your listeners is a huge service. And I too like being able to communicate this to people because you need to take these steps on your own. The government doesn't help you. They provide the benefit of LLCs and corporations, but they don't direct you how to gain financial education. You have to do it on your own and you have to utilize podcasts such as this one to really get that information. Absolutely. I totally agree, which is one of the reasons why we homeschool my daughter. So just to give her what we believe she should have. Right. But yes, I agree. Podcasts, books, etc. And speaking of books, you authored a fantastic book called Loopholes of Real Estate. Actually, you've authored a couple of books. Loopholes of Real Estate, I highly recommend it to everyone, and I highly recommend they read it at least twice because there is so much in there, and it goes through it so quickly in the sense that there's a lot of information coming at you. Some people have a negative connotation when it comes to the word loophole, what a loophole is. Let's start there. Why don't you clear the air on what a loophole really is? 
Well, loopholes are there for your advantage, as we discuss in the book. It was really interesting that the first book, Real Estate Loopholes, came out 10 years ago or more, and I didn't really understand the nature of the word loophole. And so I did some research, and loophole was a loop meant window, and it was a hole in a castle where with a loophole, you could fire an arrow on the people below you. So loopholes were really important castle fortification um, uh, strategies for people. And then they moved the loopholes, the little narrow slats to the bottom of the castle, and the kids and the young adults could slip out of these loopholes. They knew where they were, and they could escape a siege. And so the word loophole had a really great meaning back in the 14th and 15th centuries. It became a word that meant that you knew where the escape hatches were, right? The loophole in the castle was how you could escape. Well, it came into the general language as a way for you to escape a contract or escape a tax. And so when we talk about loopholes of real estate in the book, we're talking about the loopholes in the tax law that you want to open up to your advantage. They're available for everyone. I mean, a good CPA, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. The tax code is the tax code. And a good CPA can help you take advantage of the loopholes that are associated with real estate. As well, on the legal side, there are loopholes that we need to close, right? There are ways that people can get at us if we hold real estate in our individual name. People can get at the real estate and all our personal assets by using the loopholes that close down legal liability by using LLCs and other structures, we can also invest in real estate to our benefit. So loophole for me, when you consider the history of it, is a good thing. Yeah, that's interesting. So one of the things you speak about is knowing when to open as well as when to close those loopholes. So how does that improve the results of a real estate investor? Well, on the tax side, you certainly want to take advantage of depreciation. You want to be able to write off the value of the building over the 27 or 35 years. If you don't take advantage of that loophole, you are not maximizing your real estate investment. As I mentioned, you want to close the legal loopholes that are out there. If you don't use an LLC, you're free to hold uh, title in your individual name. There's no problem with doing that. It just means, though, that all of your personal assets are exposed. By using the LLC loophole, by closing the unlimited liability through a limited liability entity like an LLC, we're using loopholes to our advantage again. Right, right. Yeah. So I was reading your book. Actually, I'm going through it for the second time now. And you cover 53 loopholes. And these are 53 loopholes that real estate investors should consider or even take advantage of. Those loopholes span what I found to be three categories. There's tax strategies, legal strategies, and even selection strategies. That's far more than we could ever touch on in one single episode here today. So I'll probably end up inviting you back, as I was telling you before. Interestingly, though, you discuss the first loophole in the actual introduction of the book. And that's about the difference between good debt and bad debt. And I know that you and I have probably talked about this a million times, but can you touch on that for those who are not clear on the difference between good and bad debt? Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. 
You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all your KPIs, that's your key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth, manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash realestate. That's netsuite.com slash realestate to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash realestate. Sure. The bad debt is debt that you use to buy an asset or something that doesn't return money to your pocket. Robert Kiyosaki always says that bad debt is the mortgage on your house because it doesn't provide you with any cash flow. Good debt is using our credit system to borrow money to put money in your pocket. So good debt would be using a mortgage to acquire a, an apartment building. And you're going to structure it so that the rents will pay off the debt and will provide you with monthly cash flow. Eventually, you will pay off that good debt. The bank will get paid back. And then you've got an asset that is cash flowing entirely for you. And Marco, as I'm sure your listeners understand, you can use 1031s. You can go up to bigger properties. There are all sorts of ways to increase your net worth. But certainly at the start, using good debt using the bank's money to buy real estate that you benefit 100% from is a good way to go. Absolutely. So the name of the game is to create cash flow. And the fast way to create cash flow and create wealth for yourself is to borrow as much cheap debt as you can, other people's money, to put into income-producing assets. Basically, that's the name of the game, is it not? Absolutely. And mortgage rates may be going up, but there's still opportunities out there for people to utilize good debt to their advantage. There always will be. Sure. So don't worry about the Fed raising the rates a point or two. There's still opportunity. In every market, people can make money using good debt. Sure. Yeah, I'm absolutely of the belief that there are always deals out there. It's just market specific, and it just depends on what strategy you take, but there's always deals out there. I mean, people were buying and investing in real estate when mortgage rates were 17 18% many years ago. So there That's are, right. there's always deals to be found. It's just you have to know where to look and how to invest. Well, and it's always price and terms. Okay, mortgage rates are high. Well, we're going to get better deal on the price and we're going to get better terms. Correct. Right. So let me switch gears here a little bit. I've asked this before, but because of the importance of it, I'm going to ask the most basic of questions again. And question is, why do we need asset protection? Or maybe why is it dumb not to have asset protection? <laughs> Right. Well, we live in the most litigious society on earth. There are more lawyers and lawsuits in the United States than anywhere else. It was interesting. The state of Louisiana did a survey. They asked people, how are you going to get rich? 
And what do you think the first way was? Lottery? Through the lottery, right? <laughs> so, but your chances are the same whether you buy a ticket or not with the lottery. But the second most way that the people of Louisiana thought they were going to get rich was in the litigation lottery. They Jeez. were going to sue someone. And that, that's the attitude that we have in our society. And Marco, you and I aren't going to change that. So what we have to do is protect our assets in the face of that societal attitude. And so instead of holding real estate in your individual name, you need to hold it in a limited liability entity like the LLC. And we just need to take the steps right at the start to protect your assets because we live in this society where attorneys are able to have what are called contingency fees. And they get a percentage of what they're able to collect. So you get in a car wreck, the attorney collects $100,000, they keep $35,000 of that. And that's the way our system works. People can't afford lawyers, so the lawyers will provide their services and get a percentage of what's collected. That gives attorneys an incentive to sue. Knowing that, we have to take steps to protect our assets. That gives attorneys a lot of incentive. In fact, if you look around, I don't know about where the listeners live. I know it's all over the country, but we see billboards all the time. You know, have you been injured or have you been in a car accident or whatever the case may be? Call 1-800-blah-blah-blah. Let us help. We can collect. No risk. All this kind of stuff. It is everywhere now. It used to be lawyers couldn't advertise, but the Supreme Court said, no, it's free speech. Lawyers can advertise. And now we have these billboards. So that's not going to change. So what we need to do is understand that lawyers have an incentive to sue. And if they do sue, you want to have plenty of insurance. Insurance, of course, is the first line of defense. That's right. Uh, but these entities are the second line of defense. If an attorney sues, and the insurance is not satisfactory to cover the claim, they are able to get a judgment against you personally. And if you hold a duplex and a fourplex in your individual name, they have the ability to foreclose upon that asset, sell it for the benefit of not only the victim, the car wreck victim, but the attorney themselves, because they're getting a third of those uh, properties. So we just have to understand that and protect ourselves accordingly. I know listeners listening to this hear this time and time and time again, and it's just, it's easy to hear it, but it's just as easy, if not easier, not to take action on it. And then the fact of the matter is, is ultimately, if and when you do get sued, it's too late to go back and say, oh, I'm going to move my entity into an LLC or something and try to protect myself then. It's too late. You can't go back, right? Right. If you are sued, or even if someone sends you a letter saying they're looking into suing you, you cannot transfer assets at that point. If you do, it's called a fraudulent conveyance. And anytime a term has the word fraud in it, it's not a good thing. So if you get involved in a fraudulent conveyance, you transfer your properties into an LLC, the court can unwind that on the grounds that you were trying to avoid paying a legitimate creditor. If, on the other hand, Marco, you set up your LLCs right at the start and you get that notice of a lawsuit, you're protected. You're in good shape. The contingency fee attorney is going to have a tough time, especially if we use the right entities, to get at the real estate properties you own in a car wreck situation. 
So I always recommend that you have insurance on your home and auto. An umbrella policy is a good extra measure of protection. In many states, an extra million dollars of coverage is only $400 a year. I think that's a good way to go. On top of the insurance, though, because, of course, insurance companies have an economic incentive to not settle every claim. They go out of business if they settle every claim. So you have to have these other protections in place, including the LLCs for real estate and other assets. Sure. And I've referred to this as layers of the onion. You don't just want one force source of protection, whether it's insurance or an entity or a layering of entities. You want to have all of these things in place. So you have one line of defense followed by another line of defense. And it's like peeling the layers off of an onion. You're well protected because you're in the middle and you've got all these layers all around you, right? Absolutely. And with the layers comes structure. Marco, a lot of people are on the internet saying, well, just don't have anything in your name. And you walk into court and you got to tell the truth. When the judge asks you, do you own any LLCs? Do you own any real estate? You have to tell the truth. And if your real estate is already in an LLC before the lawsuit was filed, you can tell the truth. I have a structure. I've followed the formalities. I'm doing it right. And you don't have to lie, which some of these other questionable strategies would have you do. And lying in court is not a good thing. I mean, for one thing, you can be involved in perjury. But for another, our society, there are enough lies in it already. We shouldn't encourage people to lie in court. Yeah, absolutely. Can't remember what the saying was. I can't take credit to this, but someone, someone who's wealthy said, you want to own nothing but control everything. Right. Yeah. And I, right. I, I don't remember who that was, but I've never forgotten that saying. So <laughs> I have to remind myself of it. Well, it's been attributed to John D. Rockefeller and um, he did okay. So, <laughs> but he used entities and back in the day before of Teddy Roosevelt, he used a lot of trusts to protect himself. But the concept is the same. You don't want assets in your individual name. Even with real estate, your primary residence, we have the homestead exemption. We have other ways to protect your primary residence. Everybody should look into having a homestead to protect the equity in their home. And then LLCs for not only real estate holdings, Marco, but if you own gold and silver bullion, you could hold that in an LLC. If you have a brokerage account with more than 30 or 40,000 in it, you can hold that through a Wyoming LLC, for example. And once that's set up and you continue to pay the state fees and follow the formalities, you don't have to lie about anything. Your assets are protected. Right. Garrett, people often ask us, what are the best entities to hold real estate? And just like an attorney, my answer to them is it depends. What advice would you give these people? And I know this is maybe simple question, but could be a complex answer, but at a high level, in its most basic form, what would you say to people in terms of the best entities to hold real estate? Well, again, it does depend. That's the good lawyer answer. But as a general rule, we're going to look at limited liability companies and limited partnerships for holding real estate. You're not going to use your living trust because the living trust, like the land trust, provides no asset protection. The LLC and the LP are designed to provide asset protection for their owners 
especially through the charging order procedure, which varies from state to state. California, New York, and Georgia are fairly weak. Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware are really strong. So that's where the depends comes in. We, as a general rule, we're going to use LLCs or LPs to hold real estate. The next question becomes what states and what combination of entities are we going to use to really accomplish your individual goal? Right. You mentioned LPs or limited partnerships. I've never used a limited partnership structure for asset protection, but I know some people have. And it's my understanding that an LLC is better. I don't know, but why choose one over the other? Well, at the giant level, the LP requires two entities, right? A limited partnership is on title to the real estate. And by definition, there have to be two partners, at least one limited partner who's not responsible for any claims, right? And at least one general partner who can be responsible personally responsible for claims brought against the limited partnership. So we have that personal responsibility. No one wants that. So to overcome that, you form a second entity, a corporation or an LLC, typically an LLC to be the general partner. So to do the LP right, we have to form two entities, the limited partnership itself, and then another entity, an LLC, for example, to be the general partner. In California, we're paying $800 per entity. So that's $1,600. With an LLC, you don't have to set up that second entity. Everyone is protected within the LLC. So that's one advantage of the LLC. Now, I mentioned California. California has a gross receipts tax on LLCs. So if you have $15 million in gross receipts, you're going to be paying a lot in extra taxes. So in some cases, it does make sense, especially in California, to use the limited partnership. I know that's kind of complicated, but there are reasons to use the limited partnership. With the mom and dad being the general partner, owning as little as 2%, they can control the whole show and make distributions to the kids without the kids demanding that they sell the fourplex so they can go on tour with the band. So the limited partnership works in family situations. It works in situations where you have a lot of income in the state of California. You can save money with a limited partnership. But for the vast majority of cases, we're using LLCs. And they have become, Marco, the most popular entity now in the country. I believe it. I believe it. Your examples with California makes me think of, you know, welcome to the Socialist Republic of California. We're just buried. (laughs) I just met with a client this morning who, like many others, is moving to Nevada. You wouldn't believe it. In Reno, every 10th plate is a California plate. There are just so many people moving here. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I've been looking at Vegas as a second home location and then switching it over to a primary location just so I can have Nexus or, or residency in Nevada and spend more than six months there. I've even looked into Puerto Rico of all places. And I was down at Peter Schiff's house for a while and was talking to him about it. It's when you're in a state that is so burdened with regulation and taxes, it forces you to look at other options. And the weather's nice. It's kind of hard to move, but. Well, there's a lot to like about California. I mean, I grew up, I really like California, but now Nancy Pelosi is talking about an exit tax for Californians who leave for other states. 
people hear that. And even though it may be completely unconstitutional, just the mention of that has people thinking about moving. And so we're, we're just seeing that, uh, a lot of businesses, a lot of young families that can't afford a house in California now. In San Francisco, you have to have an average income of $300,000 to be able to afford a house. Not every young family has 300000 to buy a house. Oh, so no. they're moving to other states. Absolutely. I know. I mean, this is a whole subject in itself. We could spend another episode talking yeah. about taxation and migration in and out of California and all that kind of stuff. But it is what it is. Unfortunately, we have to just deal well, with it. Yeah. In California, certainly you can make money in real estate, but you have to take the step of using California entities and then probably Nevada and Wyoming entities to hold the California entities for the better asset protection. Because California law, when it comes to asset protection, is the weakest in the country. Sure. I assume you're referring to investors who hold property in the state of California, not investors in California that hold property out of state. Well, if you live in California and hold property out of state, we still have to do some extra planning. The state of California wants that $800 filing fee for the properties that you manage out of state. So yes, California has become very difficult on this. There are ways to deal with it, but just know, Marco, your listeners in California, we have to do a little bit of extra planning for them. I agree. You may or may not be aware of this, but even though we are in California, we don't do anything in terms of real estate in the state of California because the numbers don't make sense. However, we do have a lot of clients that are in expensive coastal markets all along the coast of California, many out of San Francisco, New York, New Jersey. A lot of the coastal markets where it's very expensive to invest in is where a lot of our clients come out of. And the mm-hmm. reason is, is because they can't invest in their backyard. So they work with us to build their portfolios. And they work with guys like you to help protect those properties in other states, even though they have residency in those expensive markets. Right. And people can vote with their feet. They can invest wherever they want in the country. And I think that makes good sense because some of these postal markets, I just worry that at some point, those prices for homes in that area, just they're not supportable. So investing in other parts of the country does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking about limited partnerships and whatnot. Probably the second most common question I get asked is, should I set up a separate LLC for every property? And I know this might be a fundamental question for you, but what are your thoughts on having an individual LLC per property? Well, that's the best asset protection. One property per LLC. If it's not financially supportable, I have clients certainly that will have two or three properties in one LLC. My job is to explain the pros and the cons, and it's the client's decision, how many properties per LLC. So that's something we talk about in our consults. If you have uh, three properties that have equity of $10,000 each, um, I might use one LLC uh, for that. If you have one property that's a free and clear home worth a million dollars, I certainly wouldn't put that in the same LLC with a duplex you rent to the Hells Angels, right? So (laughs) we're going to do different structures for everybody's individual situation. But ultimately, it really is the client's call. Do you want one property per LLC, great asset protection? Maybe you're going to have two or three properties per LLC. That's what you feel comfortable with. We'll do what the client wants to do. 
Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to the person's risk tolerance and how paranoid they might be about getting sued and then having assets tapped into. So I think a lot of it comes down to not a magic formula, but the person's preferences and risk tolerance. Absolutely. Now, one little issue, Marco, when you transfer title from your name into an LLC, you do need to let the insurance company know that title is in the LLC. And some insurance companies will say, well, geez, that's a business entity. We have to charge you a higher premium for the insurance, which is nonsense because it's the same risk. That's right. So one way to handle it is to say, look, leave the insurance in my name, but list my LLC as an additional insured. And that will cover you if there is a claim against the property, the LLC, which is on title, is entitled to coverage. Oh, that's a great tip. I don't think I've heard that before. Well, there was a case in Los Angeles. This is before the lady became our client. And she transferred title from her name into an LLC. It was a duplex. She didn't tell the insurance company. And of course, like we said earlier, their job is to deny every claim they can. And they used the excuse that title was in her LLC and not in her name, where the insurance was, to deny coverage. So this is an important factor for people when you're transferring title to an LLC. Right, right. Speaking of transfer, investors who buy residential real estate almost always take title in their name because they don't have a choice. And that's how the close unfolds. But we obviously don't want to keep title in your personal name. So what's the best way to transfer title? Should it be done same day, immediately thereafter? I know it can be done anytime, but do you have a suggestion or tip on the best way to transfer title? Well, if the bank is okay with it, they want you to take title in your name. But a lot of the banks are wising up to the fact that the LLC is a good thing and it actually does help protect the bank. So talk to the bank. If they will allow it, you would then transfer title into your name and immediately turn around and transfer title into the name of the LLC. But we have to be careful of what state we're in. Pennsylvania has a huge transfer tax of 2%. So you buy a property worth a million dollars and you transfer title from your name into the Pennsylvania LLC, that's a $20,000 transfer tax. So we need to be cautious of what state we're in, but absent Pennsylvania, typically you can take title in your name the way the bank wants it and then transfer title either that day or several days thereafter into the name of the LLC. The thing to know is as long as title is in your name, you're personally responsible. So we do want to get it into the name of the LLC as soon as possible. Right, right. Well, as we're starting to wind things down here with just probably two questions left that I want to ask you, something that I think causes confusion for some people is the idea of a land trust. And I find that there are different people out there who have strong opinions for or against a land trust. I've talked about this a long time ago, but Just maybe talk about what is a land trust briefly? Is it good or bad? And do you even recommend using it? Well, I'm not a big fan of the land trust because it uh, does not provide asset protection. People do claim it provides privacy, but if someone sues the land trust or the LLC, it doesn't really matter who owns the property, right? It matters who's responsible. And so you sue a land trust and you're the beneficiary as an individual, you're personally responsible. It's like having title in your name. So that land trust has to be owned by an LLC for you to have the protection. Um, 
People also make this argument that the land trust, the trustee, can keep the beneficiary's name confidential, but that doesn't work in a court of law. The court of law is entitled to know who the owner is. And if you're the owner of that land trust as an individual, the court is going to hold you personally responsible for everything that happened on that property. So the question becomes, okay, I'm going to use a land trust and I have to set up an LLC to be protected. Why not just set up the LLC at the start? So I'm not a big fan of the land trusts. I know a lot of people are. We respectfully disagree, but we don't set them up. So I appreciate everything you just said. So let me kind of twist the question slightly and throw it at you a different way. What if you owned property and they were all properly titled into the LLC or multiple LLCs, but that property or those properties were each in their own land trust inside the LLC? Does it make any difference or is there an advantage of having that property in the land trust that is, of course, within the LLCs? So let's say you have three land trusts on title to three separate pieces of property, and the beneficiary of that those three land trusts is one LLC, all right? In the land trust structure, the beneficiary is responsible for claims. And so the beneficiary, the court goes through the land trust to the beneficiary, the LLC, and what does the LLC own? Well, it owns three properties through three separate land trusts. So you've increased your exposure to not just the one land trust, but technically all three land trusts are exposed to that one claim. You're better off having, like we've discussed, the three separate LLCs so that there's no bridge from a land trust to an LLC to other land trusts within that LLC. So I'm just not a big fan of the land trust. I guess the lowest common denominator would be one property, one LLC. And the two scenarios is one property in an LLC and versus one property in a land trust in that same LLC. Is one better than the other or are these essentially the same thing, but one with more cost? Well, having a land trust owned by an LLC is going to be more expensive than just setting up the LLC to begin with. Right. So I would rather have the protection of the LLC. Well, you have it Um, in both scenarios. Is one better than the other with and without the land trust? I like the LLC being on title. And then I like having the LLC. Say you have four different LLCs for four properties. I like having those four LLCs owned by one Wyoming LLC. Right. You have a California LLC for the California property. You have a Utah LLC for the Utah property and so on and so on. All of those four properties are owned by one Wyoming LLC. And if you get in that car wreck and they love to get at the California and Utah properties, they have to fight through Wyoming, which has the charging order protection that is very makes it very difficult for the car wreck victim to get through the Wyoming LLC at the other properties. At the same time, you're going to want to have an umbrella policy of insurance. So sure. RX situation, there's enough money to pay the claim. The attorneys know how to get an insurance money, but they're not very good at getting at these Wyoming LLC interests. And so that is the way we encourage most of our clients to structure their affairs. Sure. LLCs on title to the real estate in the state where the real estate's located, a California LLC, a Utah LLC, all owned by one Wyoming LLC is a parent. It doesn't do business with anyone. It's a passive holding entity. 
Yeah, that's that's a great way to do it. And another advantage of the LLCs is if you're married or you plan to be married, you could easily transfer ownership to and from a spouse if something happens or there's a death to one of the spouses. It just makes the management of ownership so much simpler. Right. And so in that example with the Wyoming LLC, it's owned in turn by your living trust. And one partner passes away, we don't have to retitle all the California and Utah and other LLCs. They're still owned by that Wyoming LLC. We don't have to go do title transfers. And the Wyoming LLC just changes hands according to the dictates of the living trust. So it all works together pretty well. Sure, sure. This has been great stuff. We could talk about a lot of things when it comes to loopholes of real estate. So I think mostly what we talked about today were the legal aspects. Maybe what we should do is set up another another time to have you back on where we can talk about tax-related loopholes because we're going a little long and we could probably talk for hours about this stuff as you often do. <laughs> I'd be happy to come back, Marco. This is great fun for me to be able to talk to you and your audience about these issues. It sounds great. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Frequently asked questions or something that I should have asked you related to what we talked about today? Well, I think people just, as we mentioned earlier, this is something you need to take steps on your own to do. The government's not going to tell you to use LLCs. The schools are not going to tell you to use LLCs. So you need to gain this information on your own. And there are plenty of good books and podcasts like this one out there that will help you gain that information. And then you need to take steps, like we talked about earlier. If the real estate is in your individual name, and you've been sued, it's too late to change it. So you need to do this work while the seas are calm before there's a problem. Right. Agreed. Garrett, the fact that people like Robert Kiyosaki work with you, I think speaks volumes about you and your business. Tell our listeners how they can find you and get more information. Well, thank you, Marco. I appreciate that. We are at corporatedirect.com. That's the website. We have articles. We keep people up to date on what's happening so you can subscribe to the articles. We do offer a $100 discount. If you mention Narada, you can get $100 off a formation. So we're happy to work with your people, Marco. And we like providing a high level of customer service. You know, when you call, we do answer the phone. We will answer your questions. And our goal is to make this as simple as possible for you. We don't want to set up more entities than you need. We want to just get the right amount of entities We want to work with your CPA to make sure that you're taking advantage of all the tax side of things. And uh, we just really enjoy working with people. We've been doing this for over 30 years, and it's been really enjoyable to see clients start out with that first house or duplex. And now they have, you know, 20, 50 properties. So it's been fun seeing our clients grow over the years. And we look forward to working with people on that basis. Yep. Yep. Critically important. I mean, it's fun to buy real estate and invest and then you get the bug and you want to keep buying, but it's not just about acquiring a portfolio of real estate. You have to protect those assets that you're spending your hard earned dollars on. And so you have to work with your asset protection attorney. And so I encourage people to reach out to your office, even if it's nothing more than just to learn more about the services you could provide. So we'll put that in the show notes. It's corporatedirect.com. Garrett, you've been fantastic. I look forward to having you back on. So thanks once again for your time today. Great. Thanks, Marco. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that was a great episode with Garrett. And I know that I'll be bringing him back on to talk about 
other loopholes of real estate, particularly on the tax side. So stay tuned for that. He is a very knowledgeable and very professional person. I was very impressed with him when I met him in person. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. You've made this show a great success, and I want to thank each and every one of you for that. We're now top five as of today in the business podcasts on iTunes, right over Gary Vaynerchuk, Tim Ferriss, and I'm not sure who else is on that list, maybe Dave Ramsey. But thank you for that. And you can help us spread the word and continue to share this free information, this free resource by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. So thank you in advance for that. If you haven't received our free guide, the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing, be sure to download that on PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or our other website, NoradaRealEstate.com, where we have all of our properties available for purchase as rentals, investments. Those are completely turnkey rentals. And of course, if this is something you're thinking about or you need some help, we offer a free strategy session. Just fill out the contact form on our website and we will get back in touch with you within 24 hours, typically. And if you have questions about real estate, by all means, click the Ask Marco button at the top of the website at PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com and I will certainly reply and I may even cover it on the show. And that's about it. Of course, if you haven't subscribed, please remember to subscribe. And thanks for listening. We will see you on the next episode. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.